for thinking about grace. How would you explain grace as it's understood as a Jesus follower from that perspective? Um, is this working? I think it is now. Maybe it's not. Ali's going to run that down to Nick and Nick's going to work Nick, out why that's not working. Give us the first slide, Nick. That'd be great. Um, I've just really in everyday terms defined grace as uh, undeserved kindness and favour. Look, I experienced grace yesterday in, in two simple ways that probably explain this a little bit. Um, I went to the football, hadn't been for a long time, and had to, I decided I'd park in the city. Didn't realise it'd probably be a 30-minute walk to the game, but uh, parked in a car park. When I booked the car park online, it basically said I could be there from 3 p.m. till 9 p.m., but there was an hour's grace on either end. And so I'd only paid for – well, weekend's different – but I only paid for the time that I'd booked for. But they were kind enough to say if I was an hour early or an hour late, uh, they'd let me in and not charge me anymore. So that's grace. That's undeserved uh, kindness, isn't it? Another thing happened on the way home, just to supplement the, uh, the pie and chips that we'd had at – at dinner time, Yum. which wasn't quite enough. And we went to the pancake parlour and uh, had a pancake. So it's a healthy day. And <laughs> High chips and pancakes. That's my boy. You, like, my boys would have come with you. I, I, I like to think that I'm still a pretty young fella. And I, I got to the checkout and totally unsolicited, she said, that'll be $63. But for you, sir, there's a senior's discount. It's 50 <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. That's 50, grace in abundance. $57. I didn't even ask for it. It was undeserved kindness. <laughs> <laughs> but God's grace um, is, Nick, next slide, God giving us generously, oh, we can control from here, that's great, giving us generously what we don't deserve. Now, grace is often linked to uh, mercy as well, and God's mercy is really like God graciously withholding from us what we do deserve. So, so grace is at the at the very heart of the character of God. There's a uh, a great verse in Exodus chapter 34, and it, it says this, and I'll give you a little bit of context. Um, Moses has been up the mountain; he's got the Ten Commandments. He's been up there a long time. When he comes down, uh, the people have already broken the first two commandments by. Um, building a, a golden calf and, uh, and worshipping it. And so Moses is just disgusted, throws the tablets of stone down, they splinter, he makes the people eat the powder of them. No, too much detail. But um, he goes up the mountain again and he pleads with God and he says to God, if, if, if I've found favour in your eyes, don't abandon us. You know, the people are like that, they've done that, but don't abandon us. And God responds with a yes. He says to, to Moses, you have found favour in my eyes, and he recommits to the people and he renews the covenant and he appears to Moses saying that he is the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, Yahweh, the, the God of Israel, the Lord, a God merciful or compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So grace is at the very heart of the, the character of God. It's how God acts towards you and towards me. He gives generous favour to people, even when, when they deserve the opposite. That's our God. So when I act graciously towards you, I offer goodness and kindness and generosity in places where it's unexpected or undeserved. Now, I think mothers are actually very, very good at this. Um, when I'm the recipient of grace, when I receive it, I receive those acts of undeserved favour and kindnesses that are expressed towards me I receive them as a gift I don't deserve them and I couldn't earn them uh, that fa fantastic way of explaining what grace is that undeservedness of it 
Um, can you think of some examples in the Bible where we see that grace happening? The, the Bible is actually full of, of examples and I, I've actually chosen uh, an Old Testament one uh, to talk about. I think that people don't talk about this one often because... The, the they, they can't say his name. That's why they don't talk about the, it. The name of the guy is so hard to say. But this guy's name is Mephibosheth. Now say that after me, Mephibosheth. Um, But uh, just a bit of background, Saul is the first king of Israel and he turns out to be a bit of a disaster of a king. But he has a son named Jonathan and Jonathan is a really good friend of the one who's going to be the king next, which is David. And David is really being prepared for kingship. Um, But Jonathan has a five-year-old son whose name is Mephibosheth. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Mephibosheth is, um, well, what happens is after Saul's death, um, the house of Saul uh, actually opposes the house of David and so there's this internal, like a civil war within, within Israel uh, until David is finally king over all of Israel and there's peace. Well, this um, Mephibosheth, he was dropped by his nurse um, while they were running away after a, a battle in which Saul and Jonathan were both killed. So Saul, his grandfather, and Jonathan, his father, both killed in battle. Mephibosheth dropped by the nurse running away and it says that he was crippled in both his feet. Now, um, years later, years and years later, probably because, mainly because of David's friendship with Saul's son, Jonathan, uh, David asks around and he says, is there any way that I can bless someone uh, from the house of Saul because of because of Jonathan, they, they search around and sure enough, they come up with this guy, Mephibosheth. Well, you can imagine in those times, um, the house of Saul was in disrepute and anybody linked to the house of Saul, often in those days, they just got rid of the, the family of the former king. So they were probably living in a bit of fear. Mephibosheth is living uh, a long way away and he's living as a disabled person, just being helped by uh, someone who was quite poor. So he's poor and... Uh, he has no inheritance. And David says, well, bring that Mephibosheth to me. And so they do. And uh, this is what it says in, in 2 Samuel 9. It says, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. He's scared. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will show you kindness, you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I'll restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And, uh, and he paid homage, and this is uh, Mephibosheth's response to uh, David's kindness. He says, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Uh, so he realises his position and he realises how uh, generous and kind and unexpected is this kindness that comes from David. And the end of the passage, it says, so Mephibosheth... Mif- yeah, there it is. I knew it was going to happen. I was, I, was re- I was doing really well up to then. <laughs> Mephibosheth always ate at David's table like one of the king's sons and he was lame in both of his feet. And so just absolutely no resentment on David's part towards a relative of Saul. He wanted to love him and he accepted him. He wants to provide for his material needs in every way so that he's no longer poor. And more than that, he's welcomed into the family, uh, brought into the family table and eats from then on always with the king. I think that's an amazing story. 
that's grace. That's undeserved yeah, that's kindness. that's undeserved kindness in abundance. Yeah. And I reckon if we could get inside the head of Mephibosheth, uh, as he digests David's kindness to him, we'd get a glimpse of what God's grace is like expressed towards us. There's a lot of other um, places in the, in the Bible, examples of grace, and Jesus actually embodied grace. This is what it says of him. In chapter 1, as John's talking about Jesus, he says, the word became flesh, that's Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus was able to convey truth in such a way uh, that it came across with grace. Now, that's a great gift. It also says about Jesus, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips, so surprised that they said, isn't this Joseph's son? And he speaks like this. And so if you just looked at the life of Jesus, so many parables Jesus told, the, the essence of the parable was actually live graciously. Uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan where a, a Samaritan helps a Jew, totally unheard of because of the ethnic issues between those two he helps him, he goes and is kind to him beyond belief. The parable of the prodigal son where the father is kind to the son beyond belief. He uh, actually reaches out to a son who has been a prodigal, who's uh, wasted his uh, inheritance on riotous living. And so, and then all the, the actual physical things that Jesus did, healing miracles and amazing things where he actually showed grace towards people. Not condemnation, but grace. So let, let's unpack it a little bit further. What does that mean for um, those of us who've maybe chosen to follow Jesus? What does it mean for us in our lives? I reckon um, grace is absolutely central to the, the Christian message because as a follower of Jesus, I understand that grace is demonstrated to me most powerfully in Jesus, in his life, in his death and in his resurrection. He died so that I might live. He died so that we might live. So that's the, the good news that the Christian faith is centred around. Uh, Paul says it like this in Ephesians. He says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, Philip Yancey uh, wrote a book years ago called What's So Amazing About Grace? And I think he's reissued it recently. And I was just reading a, uh, an interview with him about grace and he said these words. He said, grace breaks all the rules. Most people live with a sense of life that's akin to karma. Do good, get rewarded. Do bad, get punished. Along comes this incredible good news that God loves us, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. No matter what we've done, forgiveness is there for the asking. That's grace. We expect the worst and get the best. I like that. Now, the Bible's clear, really clear, that we can't earn our way back to God through our own efforts or our own good deeds. Instead, those who choose to follow Jesus, who, who put their faith in him, they receive forgiveness as a free gift. That's God's grace. When I was as young, we learned an acronym for grace, um, and it was this, it was God's riches at Christ's expense. And I think the, the, young, the older ones amongst us are nodding because that's what we learn in Sunday school. And yet I think uh, there was amazing truth in that in, in the light of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. 
Jesus actually endured the cross so that I might experience a, a rich, full life with him. That's grace. So we're the recipients of grace, but what, what is it, why is it important for followers of Jesus to then um, act that out in our actions towards others? How, why is it important for us to live that out in the way we treat others? You often hear it said, uh, freely you've received, freely give. Um, and I think this was talked about last week if you were here. When you've experienced God's love and, and grace, it's only fitting that your life reflects that experience in the way you relate to others. Uh, Jesus' story of the unmerciful servant that we talked about last week, uh, it's totally incongruous that someone who's been forgiven much can't forgive others. Um, Paul, again, quoting him a bit today, but he said, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in, in Christ Jesus. So here's Paul, a recipient of grace. And how does he respond to that? He says uh, things like this. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ forgave you. And so this idea of you've received freely, uh, therefore there's a responsibility also to give freely. Yeah. So that responsibility, what... what what difference does it make in the world, though? Unpack that a little bit for us. I think we've used a verse quite a bit as we've talked about this, and it's what we call the new commandment. It says in John's Gospel, a new commandment, I give you love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so followers of Jesus believe that, that grace is a transforming thing. It enables us to love. God, through his Holy Spirit, comes and lives within us. And it's like God's personal presence working through us to produce things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and uh, self-control and goodness and what we call the fruits of the Spirit, the, the things that come from us knowing God and having a relationship with him and having the Holy Spirit uh, living within us. That's the experience of a follower of Jesus. And so a grace expressed like that is going to be a, a humble and a kind grace. It's not going to come out of an inflated uh, opinion of ourselves. It's not going to be driven by our ego. Um, a grace expressed like that is going to be an encouraging grace. It's going to be the sort of thing that seeks to lift others up. Um, it's going to be like in 1 Corinthians 13, that passage about love, it's going to be a, a grace that bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things, you know, believes the best about other people and when unsure even gives other people the benefit of the doubt. That's the sort of grace we're talking about. That's the difference it's going to make in the world. People are going to see that these people are different. Uh, they're disciples of Jesus. They're followers of Jesus and their life demonstrates what he was on about and so grace expressed like that's also going to be forgiving it's going to release other people from being the target of our resentment it's going to be willing to absorb the pain of an offense without returning it as Jesus did with those who caused his painful death um, I just finish up Vaughan I remember back in the 80s uh, a long time ago we used to sing a song and uh, it, it said this it said wonderful grace that gives what I don't deserve, pays me what Christ has earned and then lets me go free. 
wonderful grace that gives me the time to change, washes away the stains that once covered me. And then there's our response. All that I have, I lay at the feet of the wonderful Saviour who loves me. Yeah, thank you, Steve. And that that verse that you've um, pulled up there right at the end, that's the verse that we've been actually kind of hanging this topic of getting along. You know, this is so important um, if we want to be people who follow Jesus, when we get along with each other, when we do this hard work of being gracious and generous towards each other and and, um, all of the other topics that we've talked about so far in this series, that's when other people will look and say, wow, that's different. And maybe, maybe their God is different and they will look there as well. So thank you, Steve. So Vapka is a, is a mother, but that's not the only reason that we've invited her up because we can experience that grace and that lavish love from lots of different people in our lives. And we can experience that motherly love from lots of different aspects and, and people in our lives. So good morning, Vapka. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So we're thinking about grace and loving others abundantly. Tell us... How have you been loved abundantly? How have you been loved in your life? There have been numerous occasions in which I and my family have been loved abundantly. Um, There's really too many to to talk about. Um, But I will mention two, um, two kinds of love that we have experienced. Um, Before we came to Australia, my family and I used to work overseas. And, um, but there were times that we would go back to our church family in Scotland for rest and um, refreshment and to reconnect with people who cared for us and who prayed for us. And I will tell you of two different occasions where people have loved and cared for us in a big way and in a small way, although the small way really is a big way too. Um, The big way was that before we went overseas, a friend from the congregation took my husband uh, to the Bank of Scotland and made him a co-signature to a bank account. Um, and so by the time after we'd been overseas for a few years and um, we went back to reconnect, um, he would give us this bank account and he would say, it's all yours to use while you are here. Because during the time we had been away, he had put part of his um, profits of his business onto that bank account Mm. and it meant that we could buy um, the shoes that our growing boys needed and um, other things that were needed that we did not have it it we felt so well cared for it's very it's very lavish and and a great blessing in that sense yes and it went on for all the years that we were away and when we came back In the same congregation, there was a lady um, who did not have much money at all and always said she could not really support overseas work, church work, but she had a gift 
of making fudge. And for many years, in fact, for all the times that we were overseas, she would make fudge. And everybody loved her fudge. Her fudge always was sold out by everyone in the congregation who wanted it. And then she would make more. And from the profits of her little fudge business, um, she supported us. Mm -hmm. She supported yeah. a church being built and a church that was growing far away overseas. Mm -hmm. And it was the way God worked in her and, and for us to see that and to be the recipients of such love and grace yep. was tremendous. And, and small, but also really huge and, and lavish and beautiful. It was huge. So yes. there's probably dozens of other times when you've been lavishly and beautifully loved. What, what is it about the way in which you've been loved that has led you to care for others? What, what do you do in how you care for others? Um, because I've lived overseas in a few countries, I know what it is like as a foreigner to come to a strange land. And I know how difficult it can be, how perplexing, and, and how that can impact a person. And so um, I did a course to tutor English many years ago. And my first student was a Burmese lady who had been in a Burmese uh, refugee camp on the Thailand border for 24 years. Now, my youngest son at that time was 21 years old. And it really struck me that for the 21 years he had lived mm. a good life and been well cared for, this lady had been in the refugee camp where she had lost her husband and who now lived here in Ringwood and was almost too scared to go outside. Mm because of the English that she could not properly speak. And that's why today I, I still tutor English. So every Monday night on Zoom, on Zoom. you tutor migrant people to learn better English. I, I love that. That's a beautiful, lavish way of, of loving other people. Yep. It is, but I, I get as much out of it as they do. Really, I, I chatted with you the other day and I wrote this down afterwards. Empathy is connecting deeply with how others might be feeling and grace helps our empathy become action. I feel like your empathy and the way that you relate to other people has actually moved you to action um, in these settings. So um, just thinking about um, something that you shared with um, us a little while ago, um, I heard you share a story of a time when you were convicted about grace in your life. I'm wondering if you would share that story. It's quite a profound little story. When we came to Australia, I went back to working in early childhood. And my first job I had was here in East Ringwood. And one particular young boy was rather challenging. Um, we really, as staff, had not quite figured out how to respond and help this boy. There would be tantrums, there would be kicking, there would be screaming, there would be throwing things. And once, when he was actually sitting and doing nothing bad in particular, he suddenly looked at me and he said, Wapke, 
are you proud of me? And I was stuck. Because suddenly in my mind, there was this list. Okay, if you stop yelling, if you stop breaking other children's things, if you stop throwing things, if you, the list was going to be so long. Fortunately, my lovely co-worker stepped in and said, James, we are always proud of you. And it was a beautiful way for her to show this little boy grace and even ex include me in it, in the answer, whereas I was, I, at that point, did not seem to know about grace. And I felt so bad because I had not been gracious to this child. I had been a bad example to my co-worker. And most of all, I really had let God down. Um, and on my way home later that afternoon, I asked God to give me another chance. And that if ever such a situation would come up, that I would know what to say. And I always carried this memory of this instant with me, not in a bad way, but to be aware. And several years later, in a different early childhood setting, we had this little boy for whom life was difficult because he could not share yet. He hadn't learned. Things always went wrong for him. If he wanted to draw a dog, then it took him five times and then still he was angry because the legs were not right. Um, if he wanted to swing, someone else was on it. So there were tears and tantrums. And he had a, a hard life, although he was very privileged. As staff, we did our best. And one day, after lunch, all was quiet in the room and the children were all scattered in the room having a rest. And I sat with Martin as he quietly told me a sob story, how his older brother had not been kind to him. But before he came to the end of it, he suddenly stopped and he sat up on his mat and he looked me straight in the eye and said, Mrs. Henson, are you proud of me? And I knew instantly what to say. I said, Martin, I am always proud of you. And he said, oh. And then he laid himself down and that was the end of the conversation. He was probably a bit stunned and I was a bit stunned too because I realized God had given me my second chance. And my co-worker who'd heard it said, you were very generous, dear Wabke. And I said, yes, it's, it's because a long time ago someone was very generous with me. Mm -hmm. And yes, that's, that's a, how I, I that's learned about beautiful grace. story, but, not just yeah. of, of the example of the grace this way, but the example of God's grace to you to give you another, another opportunity chance. so clearly. Yes. Sorry. Um, Vapka, we've probably got some other questions that we could unpack, but you know, people might want to chat with you later. Um, I'm going to I'm going to bring Ali up, and I'm going to invite the band up. But thank you so much for sharing that. Let's give Vapka a clap. Thank you.
Ali's going to lead us. As we wrap up this series of Getting Along, we thought that we would take some time at the end of it just to pause and to be open to God and to allow him um, to speak to us because we recognize that um, the ideas of getting along and listening to the information and being um, shown how to do this can be easy to sit here and listen to. But actually, as we go through our days and we face the child that says, are you proud of me? Or we face the person in the other car or that um, situation that we need to forgive, all these situations that actually to live this out can be very hard and very challenging. And yet there is a new command if we choose to follow Jesus to love one another, to love with humility. No entitlement, but just humility. To love with generous grace, offering kindness and kindness and goodness and gentleness. To offer forgiveness, even though we can still feel the pain that we enter that process of forgiveness. And it is as we know the depth and the breadth of God's love for us that we are able to do this. I was thinking about a passage in Ephesians, a prayer that's Paul, a writer in the Bible, is praying for the followers of Jesus in Ephesus. And he says this, he prays this. I pray that from his glorious and limited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Jesus, though it is too great to understand fully. Then, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So I'm going to pray, and it may be you recognize that you need God's help too. Maybe you haven't yet decided, I don't know, I'm just checking Jesus out, but I know that I want to love better. Then you might want to just open up your hands, and we're just going to pause with God and pray and ask him to help us with this. So let's pray. God, we thank you that your love for us is good and wide and high and deep. 
And we recognize that if we are to love well, we need to know and experience your love. So for those of us in this room, maybe we don't even know what to make of you. But we know that we want to be people of love. So please come and give us a glimpse of your love. That as we go through this week, we will notice suddenly, there it is. That is God's love for me. Help us to experience your love. Maybe we're sitting here this morning and we know it in our head, but it has been a long time since we've actually experienced it. Maybe never. We pray, come Holy Spirit. Take that knowing of your love from our heads to the very depths of us that we will know that your arms are outstretched to us with the most incredible motherly, fatherly love that is good, that you long to welcome us into your arms, that we will know that that is a place where we are safe, that that is truly home. God, you can see who is here in this room or on the live stream or in the foyer who is longing to know more of your love and experience. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to grow our understanding. Stretch it wide. Stretch it high. May we experience your love that as we go from this place, that we will be people who love well, who love with humility, with forgiveness, and with grace. Amen. So let's respond to all that we have known from this series by singing together now. So please, let's stand.